0: What's up? We're going to do this thing. We're going to actually record an episode about a chapter of this series. We're not sure where it's going to go, but we're going to go ahead and try it out.
1: Um, before we get into that, of course, this is Basics Niches, the new Harry Potter reread podcast that you didn't know that you needed, but you probably don't actually really need it.
0: But it's going to be fun. Yeah,
1: we're working on a tagline. It'll <laughs> happen eventually. <laughs>
0: Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> So, we're actually recording right after Christmas. I personally had a lovely Christmas because I got to spend the entire day watching Netflix and snoozing with a dog.
1: That actually does sound ideal. All I wanted to do on Christmas was watch, like, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and all those ridiculous seasonal and very relatable Christmas movies and get wasted. And I only had one Christmas sale and only watched National Lampoon, but I mean, I guess when you're spending the holidays with family... (laughs) You'll take what you can get.
0: Yeah, you at least got some stuff checked off that checklist,
1: right? (laughs) Following the holidays, it's right before New Year's, we figured we would jump right in with our first episode.
0: See what we could get done. Yeah. um, See how far we could go and see what this this looks like. Perhaps no one will ever hear this particular recording, but we have faith in ourselves. People will hear this. Something will come out of this that will be brilliant. Yes. So we're actually going to jump right into (laughs) our little... uh, beginning of the episode in which I'm actually going to have Adam read an outline that I wrote for the episode. Um, I just went through and outlined the chapter in my own very special way because I find myself amusing. Adam seems to find me amusing. Perhaps you will too. I'm going to give him this outline of what happens in this chapter and um, hopefully he can read it. (laughs) and for the next chapter, I'll have him do the same thing for me, and hopefully I'll be able to read it. But today, you get to hear Adam's voice and my words. Yeah.
1: She says hopefully he'll be able to read it, because I just learned to read this morning. So I binged all seven books, and I feel like I'm (laughs) ready. So now he's ready to go. Yes. So (laughs) this might be something that we continue to do, and we'll, like, alternate, and who knows what the other person wrote, but you have to read it. Chapter 1 of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Sorcerer's Stone, The Boy Who Lives. And it is in bulleted form. We meet supernormal assholes named Vernon and Petunia Dursley. The Dursleys have a son named Dudley. They also have a secret. They are serial killers. Just kidding. Petunia's sister Lily Potter is a witch and Lily's husband James is a wizard. And the Dursleys don't like magic shit. The day the story starts, Vernon sees weird shit happening and becomes very disgruntled like a whiny little bitch. He thinks the weird shit has to do with the Potters. This genius is correct. Anyway he is afraid to tell Petunia and goes through the rest of the day pretending everything is normal. Meanwhile, there's a cat who reads maps who also happens to be a boss-ass witch named Professor McGonagall. Professor McG is waiting for <laughs> the ultimate badass magic maker, Albus Dumbledore, outside of the extremely normal number four Privet Drive. Dumbledore tells McG that Lily and James Potter have been murdered by the dark wizard, Lord Voldemort, but their infant son, Harry, survives. Then, a giant bitch... <laughs> With a capital B. <laughs> Named Hagrid comes in on a very inconspicuous flying motorcycle with an infant who is somehow sleeping through all of this. The j- term giant bitch made me think that Umbridge <laughs> is making a, like, I don't know, appearance in the first episode. <laughs>
0: She's not here yet. Calm down.
1: Hagrid is crying into his beard a lot. Dumbledore tells Hagrid and McGuh the baby dun-dun-dun is Harry Potter. Oh, no. I read that wrong. Fuck. Great. The dun-dun-dun caught me off guard. Dumbledore tells Hagrid and Micga, the baby, dun-dun-dun, Harry Potter is going to live with these Dursley assholes. Micga and Hagrid protest, but this is Dumbledore's master plan. And let's be honest, Dumbledore is running the show. They leave baby Harry on the asshole's front step, because after all, this baby just somehow defeated Lord Voldy, and he don't need no adult supervision... For
0: the record, I was I was intending on it to sound like McGee, but if you well, prefer McGuh.
1: moving forward in this podcast, we're new rule: <laughs> McGonagall is now going to be referred to as McGuh.
0: <laughs> I'm going to call her McGonagall like or McGee. That's what's going to happen. Scruff McGuff. Scruff McGuff. <laughs> Poor McGonagall. Yeah. Who is the boss? She's ass now a firefighting
1: bitch. dog or whatever Scruff McGuff was.
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> The story starts off with Vernon Dursley, which is a very interesting contrast to the fact that the whole series is about magic, and you start off with these boring-ass people.
1: Right. So, we had just a little kind of, like, rundown of what we wanted to talk about prior to recording. And um, the thing that really jumped out to me, me the most, I think, about the Dursleys, first of all, they're fucking boring. Even though we don't like to admit it, of course we're muggles. but there's so much more out of life than you know things like drills and gossip, and I feel like that is like what runs their lives. He works for a drill manufacturer, like how boring. And I feel like there, correct me if I'm wrong. There was like a snippet about the ties, like his his tie. I, or am I? Imagining I think that? maybe I. Yeah, I think there was something along the lines of like he took great care to decide what tie he was going to wear. I think you're right. And it was the highlight of his fucking day. And it's like, come on. There's more out there to enjoy, even in the Muggle world. Um, so there's this very boring, basic picture of the Muggle world that is, I think, a contrast to what they're going to um, kind of set up in future chapters of the fantastical world of Hogwarts and the Wizarding World and everything. So that's number one. Number two... Oh,
0: here it says... Mr. Dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work, and Mrs. Dursley gossiped away happily.
1: Yeah, I don't know why. I think that line in particular really shows off their absolute dullness.
0: I think, I mean, and this is is clearly an incredibly brilliant choice by the author, which, by the way, we're literally just going to spend, like, a bazillion episodes talking about how amazing J.K. Rowling is, but... It's an amazing choice to focus on that because of what you just said and how it's going to come into this place where we're not in this boring atmosphere. Um, And I think that she emphasizes this boringness just to give us a bigger contrast um, and hopefully to make us feel a little better about the fact that we all have to have jobs and sometimes we do have days that we focus on gossip and and we're like, whatever, I just have to get through the day. like I I find it interesting that... The n- lack of interestingness of the Dursleys is how the story that is anything but boring begins.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because it really is. I, I mean, I'm sure who knows what else the the Dursleys do. Maybe they do. Uh, maybe they are serial killers, which would be a lot more exciting or something. <laughs> I like I they doubt they, it. they really do focus <laughs> on the most bland elements, which. Which, yeah, it's interesting. It, it does offer that contrast. Um, the other thing, of course, is the negativity and the just utter, like, lack of focus that Vernon Dursley has as he's going about his day I think is really notable. Um, you know, he's at his um, office, and similar to the tie thing, he has this moment where the one thing that he really, like, gets joy out of is screaming at people.
0: Which is just... An awful thing to think about for I feel like most people. Yeah. (laughs) And he sits with his back to the window. Yeah. I mean I don't know I don't know what the view is like in Little Winching if it's if it's not necessarily all that exciting. But I worked in a basement for ten years (laughs) and you better believe that I appreciate the fact that I can see out the window at my current job and I don't care if it's snowing or gray or gross I can see outside. And I know that my view is literally of a parking lot, but who cares? So it is, again, like, it's brilliant about just how much of a difference there is between them and the other people we meet in this chapter.
1: Yeah, he's so closed off from the outside world is kind of like a way that I take that, just so that he can yell at people all day. And, you know, uh, everybody has had their, like, bad days at a job or something, but, I mean, I've certainly never been screamed at to the level that I think Vernon Dursley is capable Probably of. Probably <laughs> screaming at these people.
0: Well, you know, I do want to also say, though, like, while he's he's very, like, focused on boring stuff, when he's moving throughout the day and he's like, oh, there's some weird stuff happening, he's very judgmental rather than just being like, oh, that's odd. Yeah. It doesn't make him think until he overhears potters. It doesn't cause him or inspire him to think outside of his own box of just like those people are weird and move on then he hears potters and he's like oh no yeah this could have an impact on me and it's very and there's i don't think there's anything wrong with being that self-focused for like this doesn't matter but when he is making the choice to vindictively think god these people are dressing like fucking crazies and then it must be dismissing it right and then he like relates it to the potters or whatever it's just it's very interesting because he's very quick to judge But the second something affects him, you feel his, you feel kind of his his discomfort and like how, how scared he is. And he's so scared to tell Petunia because he knows how this is going to affect her.
1: Sure. I guess I also um, looked at it in the way of a couple things. First of all, there's a sense of the world revolving around him in that, oh my gosh, these people are crazy. They're dressed in robes. There's owls flying all over the place. Whatever. It must have to do with, like, this world of Lily Potter, like, that is somehow related to us. like
0: Magic people, yeah.
1: Like, if you didn't know about that world, you would never in a million years think that. It makes me wonder, like, other things that go on in Vernon Dursley's life that are, like, minor inconveniences that he's almost like, thanks Potters, like, thanks Obama, you
0: know? (laughs) Right, like, it's... (laughs) I wonder what they would be like once you get to, like, the end of the series and you know more of Petunia's story. But, like, I wonder what they would be like if they didn't have this relation. Um, Well, specifically Vernon, because, again, Petunia's backstory. But, like, I think Vernon would be the same person. I honestly think Vernon so would too. just be like, "This is who," and I think he would still be like, "Okay, what is these people are dressed weird?" But obviously, his head wouldn't go, "Oh my God, this is because of the Potters," and he'd just be like, "These people are weird."
1: These people are weird, and they're inconveniencing me in my day, which is completely not true. I think he just needs to, you know,
0: I mean, focus
1: on your screening, you know, like right, and do, do that on these people. Like.
0: I'm I'm not like I'm not saying that it's true, but I feel like Vernon is probably homophobic and racist and oh sure you know to the point where but like not to the point where it's like he's like a danger to those people because he's not gonna actually do anything about it. he's just gonna bitch about it which is also still a danger obviously but at the same time he's not like a radical he's just loves to be inconvenienced i also think he just loves it that's a really i think that because someone who likes yelling at people likes knowing that there's something for him to bitch about, which is why he married a woman who loves to gossip.
1: That is a great point as Isn't well. Isn't that... Yeah.
0: I don't know. I
1: I think that he definitely probably gets some sort of, like, strange satisfaction. I mean, everything about his life other than, you know, the joy of screaming in ties... <laughs> um, it's, well, it, it, well no, ties. including right. the joy of screaming, um, like, just revolves around this negative energy that is very telling and sets things up in a way of, like, okay, here we are. We're around these boring, fucking, terrible human people. Human people, because wizards aren't human. (laughs) Um, and, And, like, okay, we can only go up from here to an extent. Because, obviously, you know, this does not happen in this chapter. But we know, you know, other trials and tribulations that... Harry goes through with the Dursleys and where he ends up living at the Dursley household and some of the abuse that he goes through. Right.
0: Well, I think seeing them without Harry at the beginning sets you up to not be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I think that I'm still a little surprised later because I'm just like, God, this is awful. They still stoop. But at the same time, you're like, well, these are the people we met. At the beginning of the story, right, which I think is just an interesting thing. I think that's everything I have to say specifically about the Dursleys.
1: Yeah, I think I'm I'm there as well. Um, I mean, I guess overall, kind of like to stick a fork in the Dursleys, um, as (laughs) we all would really love to do. Yes, for this for this chapter, I think um, you know, it's it's a good foundation. It would be strange to immediately like jump right into like, oh, now Harry's off to Hogwarts and he's making, you know, magic happen and helping snakes um, <laughs> escape from the zoo and right. all of that. So It is, um,
0: I think, again, I will, I remember the first time I read this, first of all, I started reading the Harry Potter series begrudgingly because that's just how that happened, but obviously it was all for the best and that story I'm sure you'll hear at one point, but... When I first read this book, and I first read this chapter, I was like, I hated this chapter. And by the time I got to the second half of the chapter where, like, magic bitches come in, I was not interested because I just hated reading about how, like, I was bored reading about how boring they are. And it's so interesting because then every reread after, I find that stuff fascinating because I was older and I was able to acknowledge and respect and recognize the brilliance of it, but the first time I read it, I was like, "Ugh, God, these people are terrible," you know. But it's so smart to start there because the Dursleys are the only people in the series that we interact with who technically live in the same world that we do, you know. Sure. Like, like we don't we don't live at Hogwarts, or since we're in America, we don't live at Ilvermorny. We're not in that situation. So the Dursleys are living in the same 1997. 1997 timeline that we live like i was in eighth grade in 1997 these are the only people in the story that we have that always live in this universe like yes harry lives in this universe part of the time and hermione has lived in this universe until she's 11 and all of that but like this is it and we are a thousand percent as as huge fans of the series We know that we don't live in that same universe. We know that we believe in magic and we believe in Hogwarts and all of this stuff. And so, like, the Dursleys are just, like, this extreme end of it. And I think it's a really cool way to be like, no, no, this is the world that that we're in. This is the world that we're in 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 1981 when, you know, when James and Lily died, where this chapter actually takes place. And that's really kind of interesting.
1: The Dursleys are what you get when you don't believe in magic. Right? (laughs) So a new thing that I just had thought of is, like... Ninety ninety seven, while, you know, before, like, social media and a lot of modern technology kind of really took off, it still wasn't, like, <laughs> dark ages or anything. Like, there was yeah. still fairly modern music and things like that, so it just like, makes me picture... The Drizzlies are even don't below that. I think the that. Drizzlies believe like, in music. Yeah, instead of watching MTV good. or right. something, they're focused on their, like, over-the-hedge gossip and their drills... It's, yeah, it's the blandest of the bland. So it gives us a lot of uh, right. And the nineties were fascinating. A lot of room to grow. Or
0: maybe it wasn't as fascinating in England. I don't know. I would, I would imagine it would be, but I wasn't there. I was here. So the next people meet in the chapter are literally the two most incredible magical people we ever meet in the series. Or at least, mm-hmm. you know, they're up there. I guess I. Oh yeah. I guess it's not fair of me to be like they are the best, but <laughs> they are. Kind of the best.
1: Uh, yes, people would... I think a lot of our listeners would agree that these are some of the most iconic people in the series, some of the most powerful people in the series. But it's also 11 years prior to when we really get to know them too, so...
0: I, But I think it's really cool because we get such a feeling for them just in these few pages, right? which is so cool. And the other thing is, like, it's such a cool contrast because he like brings up the cat reading the map and then like reads several paragraphs later and Dumbledore appears on the street so it does all of the stuff where he's like this man appeared on the corner and blah blah but then it's like the third paragraph it says Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realize that he had just entered he had just arrived in a street where everything from his name to his boots was unwelcome and this is after two whole paragraphs about how he enters like it's he- um A man appeared on the corner so suddenly, and then the second paragraph about him is, nothing like this man has ever been seen here. And then it describes the Dumbledore we know in love with the silver hair and the boots and the half-moon spectacles and the blue eyes and all of that. And that's so cool. One, that she took like three paragraphs to do that introduction of Dumbledore, who's amazing. And then he speaks to Professor McGonagall who turns into a human. And I just think it's an interesting thing because literally the page before, or paragraphs before is like, the Dursleys are not about this stuff. Here's this stuff, right Mm -hmm. here. I don't know, I just find that so cool.
1: And so
0: artfully crafted. And this is the first chapter of the series.
1: I think a woman turning into a cat is a pretty extreme thing after you meet the Dursleys and see how bland they are. Which is a wonderful contrast I think something else that just occurred to me, you know, is we're seeing them now, right after Voldemort is defeated the first time. It's also 11 years before we meet them again. Mm -hmm. So, like, obviously we know that they're amazing, rereading this and knowing the story. But, like, think of all the additional growth that they went through.
0: Well, in that time, in that absence, and it's actually, um, what I was thinking before is just, there's so much said about them in just these few paragraphs that gets us to understand who they are.
1: And they're who they're still going to be. Yeah, and,
0: and, and so when years. when you meet them again at Hogwarts in a few chapters, you're like, oh, there's that is the man who used the put-outer on the lights and... That is the Professor McGonagall who was not cheering at the downfall of Baltimore because she recognizes that that meant loss of two very young people, that that meant this difficult life ahead for this child. You are not surprised when you meet them for them to be what they are because you get that in these paragraphs. Yes. Which is just really brilliant. And also just McGonagall is, you know, a fucking cat. <laughs> she's reading a map, but I just, I don't know. Like, she's just the best. Uh, I love her. It's so cool to look at this under a microscope. And I was like, yeah, chapter one is when we, this all happens. And then chapter two is when this all happens. Like, looking at this and being like, Professor McGonagall is one of my absolute favorite characters in the series. Not just because she's powerful, but she is the whole package. And I mean, down to the very end of the series where she's being boss as hell, she is smart she's powerful but she's also so intuitive to what happened where dumbledore has said hey you're not celebrating like everyone else and she's like these two people died who by the way were 21 james and lily were 21 Mm -hmm. they have a child they got out of hogwarts spent a couple years fighting the dark lord doing whatever then they had a kid and they're young young people who have fought against Voldemort and who have had to be thrown into hiding at such a young age to protect their child. And McGonagall is like, this is sad. This is hard. And she's been watching. And so she's been hearing what's going on because we find out later, Hybrid told her things. But she takes her time because she cared about Lillian James to scope what's going on. What's going to happen to this child? And I think that that's so brilliant of JK to give us this McGonagall because we get McGonagall as such a disciplinarian when we first get her at Hogwarts. We know she's going to be amazing. But we get this McGonagall who's loving and very focused on what this means. Yeah. Um I think McGonagall is without ever being stated in the <coughs> series, well aware of more than it's ever actually like come out she's just incredibly smart and i think she's a lot closer to dumbledore than we ever get to see right
1: i believe there's a moment in the middle of chamber of secrets where mcgonagall is very quickly after something terrible happens is like right into like back to business and very kind of like harsh and a little bit cold in that moment I think looking back at moments like this, you know, our very first introduction and looking at the values that they have is something nice to remember. Being able to, you know, really get to know these people from a moral standpoint and seeing what their values are at this point really sets it up for some of those moments later where you see a little bit more of, like, what her personality is and that she is perhaps a little bit strict and whatnot, which is is a great perspective. Right. Something else during this particular moment um, that kind of made me think about contrast beyond, you know, the the boring to the more interesting and the lack of values to values is almost the lack of understanding of what the real world is and the acknowledgement of the real world. Mm -hmm. I sort of touched on how The Dursleys kind of live their lives in a vacuum. Um, You had Mm -hmm. said that he, in his office, he faces away from the window. He's very closed off. The Dursleys kind of live in their own little microchasm or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, But we see these, this witch and wizard, and immediately we're getting into some of the more, uh, something a little bit more serious. We kind of see the this, This contrast between the bland Dursleys who live in their own box. They don't really see much outside of their own world. It's kind of the perfect muggle lifestyle. And then you meet these other people who are a lot more eccentric. They are talking about things that are more real world. Real world problems, um, tragedy, um, loss, things like that. I think when we learn... Later on, what kind of happens to Harry under the Dursleys' care, it's also a little bit similar. You know, he is sheltered. He's kept underneath the stairs. He isn't seeing a lot of the outside world. Um, But when he goes to Hogwarts, even though it is this fantastical realm, he's experiencing more of the real world. He meets a nemesis. He has problems. He experiences things like joy and fear and excitement. So, it's just funny that in the Muggle world, that is where he's experiencing a lot more kind of a, a lack of reality, whereas in the Wizarding world, that's where there is more reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a little bit ironic, I think, and kind yeah, of a, think, a nice contrast.
0: I think you're right about that. I think also, like, I think maybe one of the things you were trying to say was along the lines of how Dumbledore and McGonagall are just more aware of others. Like, their introduction is them discussing others in a way that is not like Petunia Dursley and her gossip. It's this big, momentous thing has happened. This young couple has tragically been killed. These are very serious conversations versus the kind of shit that Petunia would be talking about. Mm -hmm. So that's a really interesting contrast.
1: Yeah, there's more empathy with McGonagall where Petunia would just be like, hey, did you hear about these motherfuckers that died? (laughs)
0: I mean, (laughs) (laughs)
1: probably. Yeah. But
0: I don't know. I think I just think I love that that contrast of it, which, again, like you don't get if you're not really looking to analyze the text even more. So I don't know if you have anything else to say about McGonagall. Yeah, we can go on. Even more. So like if nothing else interesting or different can happen in the chapter, then we get to have Hagrid come in. And first of all, I will say that Hagrid is literally top five, one of the best characters in the series Um, because Hagrid is so solid. He's just a wonderful guy and you don't get, I don't think you get as much of Hagrid here as you do of McGonagall and Dumbledore as far as like, you know, who he is and what he represents, but you do see right away that he's sensitive and that he's sweet and he's also affected by this. And so Hagrid comes in with Harry And he's crying. You have to think about what his crying would mean in this circumstance. He pulled a child from the rubble of this house that's been destroyed by a backfired curse that should have killed him. Like, he probably had to see the dead bodies of Lily and James, who were probably his friends when they were at Hogwarts. He was at Hogwarts when they were there, you know, he's been there since forever ago. You know, he's a sensitive soul who just wants to do nothing but care for people, And he has this child who he knows, like we find out more about Hagrid later on in the series, is essentially an orphan now. Like and Hagrid was basically after his father died, he was an orphan. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot to that for him. I love that he's crying, you know. He's probably crying over Lillian James. He's probably crying over this child going into an unknown place. He's probably crying because the whole thing is overwhelming. You know, not to mention his own personal like feelings about the situation as a whole. I love that Hagrid comes in here, that Hagrid is already part of the inner circle. And McDonald even says like mm, Hagrid is the one that like spilled the beans on this stuff. And you're like, because Hagrid wanted you to know. Hagrid is so pure to me. I love that he's introduced just being himself. Sure. Oh, I love him.
1: Something I always think of with Hagrid is there's this very childlike quality about him. Yes. We find out later that he's very impulsive and maybe does some things that aren't quite the smartest mm-hmm. thing to do in a castle filled with children. Like having a three-headed dog <laughs> in Spoiler. one of the rooms where one of them can, can wander around, you know. A little more adult yeah exactly (laughs) i think it's also just interesting they mention in this chapter that he borrows the motorcycle from sirius black too that circumstance is pretty interesting because it sets up a lot of things for for the the future future. yeah this enchanted motorcycle and the fact that this giant man is on it, even though it's made for a normal-sized human but also you know what sirius may have been going through at this time right mm.
0: but at this point we don't know who he is so you're sure. like oh I bartered from young serious black who again is 21 because he's Lillian James age mm. that's totally something a 21 year old guy would have sure and it's actually kind of cool to think about it in this respect because we're talking about like muggles you know the muggles that we spend time with versus these wizards and we find out later on in life that or later on in the series that Sirius loved doing shit that pissed his family off and like being into muggle stuff pissed mm-hmm. them off. Mm-hmm. But like the motorcycle is clearly a muggle thing that maybe Sirius enchanted. I don't we don't know right. who, we never find out who enchants this motorbike. But that's something a twenty one year old person, like a muggle that would have. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see the wizards do this and then this is your first point in the series where you because you got to assume that Sirius Black is a wizard at this point. Right, Did they, a muggle thing. Like, had a muggle thing. Like, that's yeah. kind of cool.
1: They I literally um, just
0: thought of that.
1: They mentioned Delegus Diggle, too. And oh, Delegous Diggle. Because at this point, there's so much more, especially in Sirius. That's yet to come. But all you can do is kind of infer, you know, like you said, he's a wizard. It makes me wonder, too, you know. Well, just in the wizarding world in general, and the time that passes between... This in the next few chapters when Hagrid goes to return the motorcycle is Sirius being carted off to Azkaban things right like, that, like what you know? that
0: timeline looks like yeah with, well again so many spoilers but doesn't matter because we're not spoiler free well, sorry bitches we
1: told you in the intro it would we be told you
0: free. but I, I think that the timeline is if you're listening is, to this yeah. too
1: if you're listening to this podcast and you're not expecting just I, like a pure version of this like no you need to pause. Go read and the read book. Along with us, you know? Also,
0: like, just read the books, guys, because yeah.
1: they're way better than anything we have to say. Can you imagine if there's anybody listening to us who was just like, I need a new podcast to listen uh, to, and well, they chose this? I'm pretty sure that that's what Natalie is planning to do. Uh, like, oh, my first podcast ever. <laughs> Natalie is possibly, not possibly, We're probably, probably not going to put this in the episode. Well, who knows? I'm probably editing this, so I'm gonna leave all this in.
0: <laughs> um
1: but <laughs> potentially a guest for the future.
0: So no, I I love that and I love I literally just came to that conclusion. I was like, that's actually really cool. So as we're finishing up this chapter, do you have anything else you wanna say about it?
1: No, I think the the main thing that I take away from this is the there's a lot of contrast. Obviously, this early, you know, they have to establish the foundation of the muggle world and and how that bleeds into the premise of the story in the wizarding world but it's so much more beyond magic and non-magic there's values there's excitement there's realism i think that's the thing for me is like it feels like the dursley's live in a snow globe whereas once you get outside of that and see the depth to these these characters and just their very first moments you already are experiencing so much more. So I think that's ultimately what I think my takeaway here is. That and that, like, Verna Dursley, I think, needs to, like, see a therapist. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> Vernon Dursley is not yourself. the last character in this series that needs no. to be a therapist. I mean, here's uh, the thing. Uh, Everyone
1: should go to therapy. <laughs> There's probably all these Legilimens therapists in the Wizarding World, you know? God,
0: I don't even want to go there. <laughs> uh, so... As we're ending this chapter discussion, I do want to touch on how well the very first Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the the first movie, how well they tackled this chapter, just this chapter specifically, in the film franchise. Because I would like to say that as someone who's obsessed with the series, I could use all of it. But as someone who also maybe is not the best, I'm sure I'm I'm like way out off base here, but recognizes how movies probably need to work. I think that this is flawless in the movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? You know, this is my first foray into the world of Harry Potter, too, seeing the movie for the first time. Can you imagine like going in and seeing like these asshole muggles and stuff at the very first time? Like,. I even think of, like, the trailer for the movie is some of the initial shit with the Dursleys, and then, you know, some magical shit happens, like all the letters coming out of the fireplace, and then they go to this remote island. I mean, you don't want to sit there for the first few minutes and see Vernon Dursley screaming at people, you know?
0: You really don't. And here's the thing, is that they're incredible actors. The people that they cast in all of these roles are fantastic but nothing happens in this chapter that is going to show off Fiona Shaw or Richard Griffiths, like right you know you're 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 just gonna get them having a awkward conversation about people that how do you establish in the movie who James and Lily are if you haven't had a chance like in a book, it's easier to you you see it right on the page just saying they don't want anyone to find out about the Potters. you can read that. you can't really put that on screen, mm-hmm. so I think that the choice to begin the movie with Dumbledore appearing on the street is brilliant. Mm -hmm. And that's not even just to say that the three of them are brilliantly cast. You have some of the most iconic British actors on screen literally in the first seconds of the movie. Mm. And that's amazing. And also just starting a movie about wizards with the best fucking wizard ever. Right. What? What? The, the, yes. Yeah. Like, that, that is a no-brainer. <laughs>
1: Am I wrong? I think that it's widely known. These books are so rich, and there's so much going on in them, and they do cut out some huge things that we'll definitely be talking about in the future, things that come to mind, like the Death Day Party, or Peeves, or, right. you know, the things that but are... But they start off real strong. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely something that they can cut. Would it have been kind of like fascinating to like begin by seeing um, Petunia and Vernon watching a newscast about like owls are going fucking crazy? Like, yeah, that would have been kind of kinda cool. To see. But I mean, overall, like, we don't lose anything by this. We see enough of the Dursley's dickishness, and I mean, as somebody who's watching a movie, you want to get to the good stuff. You want to get to yeah. the Hogwarts Express and the Chocolate Frogs and the journey across the Black Lake and those enchanted boats. So, I think that cutting it here was was a, a good option.
0: What what an intelligent way to start because like this the series starts in such a brilliant place and so does so does the first movie. Like I think that they just did it right. And I'm, yeah, I'm super excited about that.
1: Yeah, there are some other notes that. You know, if we're going to nitpick. Petunia isn't blonde, or Dudley well, we isn't blonde.
0: Well, we don't, you know, but this, that's not this chapter yeah. anyway, so.
1: Yeah, or like, um, it would have been kind of fun to see McGonagall, like, reading a map. Like, actually reading I
0: a map. I would have been, I been in for a cat reading a map. That would have been cool. <laughs> But, it would have been
1: a strange way to like
0: But uh, yeah, I think
1: opening it on Dumbledore. Opening it yeah great choice. Opening
0: it on Dumbledore. I think it's really cool that, that we technically meet McGonagall first in the book, but we don't know she who she is yet. Mm-hmm. But in the movie I think it it has to be Dumbledore. He's yeah. so iconic. So that's yeah. I think that that's probably going to be the the least interesting movie discussion we'll have.
1: Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, like, I well, just, there are some uh, chapters
0: that aren't even covered at all. By the, the movies. Death so, <laughs> so. Well, that's that's so far, and there's still other things that happen. But there are some chapters that literally do not make their way at all into the movies. Right. So there's that.
1: Or some chapters that made their way into the movie that we didn't like. So uh,
0: so that is. For me, the end of this discussion, do you have anything else to add to any of that? No, I don't So to finish off the episode, we just want to go ahead and award the winner and loser and some house points. Yeah. Do you want me to award the winner and loser first and you want to award your house points after? Yeah.
1: So this is also kind of like, I guess, a test ground for us. I love the thought of like awarding people house points. Even though some of these people aren't necessarily in a house. Because they're muggles. I I don't know. I think it's kind of fun. And by the end of each chapter, seeing, like, who the true winner and loser were.
0: Right. (laughs) I mean, whatever.
1: But But I think Tara's going to take the, no shade, but the simple route. It is the simple route. I'm fine
0: with it. Yeah. Because we don't need to spend a whole lot of time chatting about it, so might as well take the easy side. I'm just saying. Whatever. So I'm going to start by saying that, the absolute winner of this chapter is Professor McGonagall. Mm-hmm. I just, I just want to point out again just how aware she is of what all of this means. And while she's definitely not upset at the idea of Voldemort being gone, she's very cautious about it. She recognizes that that this is not necessarily like, a, okay, he's gone, everything is great. She recognizes that, and she also recognizes the loss that, that that's here. And I think it's so smart. She's also being awesome and challenging Dumbledore, being mm-hmm. like. You're going to leave this child with this family. Like, hold on. I took. She took the initiative to go and sit on a hard wall all day and watch these people and make her own assessment because that's just the kind of person she is. So she gets my win for chapter one. My, my loss for chapter one is actually going to go to Dumbledore. It's actually interesting because... While you get a really good gauge on Dumbledore in this chapter, you don't really get everything about Dumbledore. You don't get all of his warmth because he's busy putting a master plan into action. And he has to be in charge of that. So I get it. But ultimately, like, Dumbledore, you're getting a loss because you're leaving an infant with a head injury on a doorstep. Like, can we (laughs) think about this? Like, she's like, oh, is that where the curse hit him? Yes, where he's bleeding from the forehead. We'll, We'll just leave him here. Um, but even more than, than leaving an infant on a doorstep, because that's a very common trope in, like, stories with, with uh, orphans and stuff, so I, I I'll give that one, is the letter he leaves for, for Petunia. Again, I hate harping too much on stuff that's outside of this chapter, but it's just important to focus on the fact that later on in the series you realize that Petunia and Lily, whatever their relationship is at this point in their lives, when they were kids they had a stronger relationship, And Dumbledore is aware of that stronger relationship. And he essentially told a woman that her sister was dead in a letter. That he left with an infant on the doorstep. It's so impersonal and it's so not really Dumbledore. I just find that to be so awful. I have a sister. I have a little sister. I'd say my sister and I are probably about the same age difference between Lily and Petunia. But if we were going to be clear, I would be the one who went to Hogwarts, not Tanya. She probably we probably both go to Hogwarts. But um the idea of it, just I think about it and I go, God, getting getting that letter that makes me feel like Dumbledore just loses his chapter from me. That's all. Yeah. Still love the guy. No, that's a good point.
1: I mean it's a great way to make it quick. I mean it's not like the Dursleys would invite Dumbledore in for like a cup of tea or anything. Like they're not that type of people, but hey. Something a little bit more personal than a letter would have been a nice time. So, for me, I'm going to be awarding and taking away house points. So, first, this comes to no shock, because I feel like I've talked a lot about that in this episode, is negative 10 to Vernon Dursley, because, He's like, a boring fuck. Well, not it beyond that. He's so fucking negative, and, like, obsessed with everyone else, and automatically assuming that these people who are rejoicing, and yes potentially dressed a little bit flamboyantly, are somehow in his way to make his day worse, or whatever. I don't know. I think Vernon's a fucking dick, so negative ten tend to Vernon Dursley. Of course, I think I have to agree. I'll award ten points to McGonagall. She's the clear winner of this chapter. I love McGonagall. She's one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite character. And, I mean, everything that Tara said, I mean, I would just repeat. So so Tara, get, uh, t- Tara gets 10 I points. I also get 10 points. Oh, that, 10 points to Gryffindor! <laughs> that was a shock. Don't worry, I'll take them away and give them to the Slytherin the next chapter. <laughs> Dumbledore, I tend to agree. I think we've, we've had this discussion about this chapter a lot, it being our first chapter. While I do think that it's a good point, it's also a little bit humorous. Like, Dumbledore, what the, what are you thinking? Putting this baby on a stoop <laughs> with a head injury. So I have to take like five points away from Dumbledore <laughs> as well. But then I'm also going to give five points to Sirius Black for loaning the motorcycle to Hagrid. I think it's a fun little detail that's in there that was a surprise while rereading it. To see a familiar name so early, But you know, Sirius is going through stuff too, and I love Sirius. I think he's another great character that I'm excited to (laughs) discuss. (laughs) (laughs) We've got a while, but eventually we'll be talking about him too. He doesn't have a great thing to look forward to either, you know. So um, I I want to throw him a couple points as well. So. To recap, that's negative 10 for um, Randersley Dursley, negative 5 for Dumbledore, positive 5 for Cheers. Sirius Black, and positive 10 for McGonagall, and in a weird twist of fate, also positive 10 to Terra Corkery. But Woo! Gryffindor just won the, <laughs> the House Cup. Don't get used to <laughs> that, though. The uh, House Cup doesn't happen until the end of the book. But listen, so. like
0: McGonagall, Sirius, and me, that's a lot of points
1: to Gryffindor. Well, Note to self, Draco's going to get a lot of points for no good reason, everyone. I'm just kidding. Pansy Um, Parkinson. That hoe. You get 20 points because I like your shirt today.
0: (laughs) So we're going to end each episode with that. We're going to try to kind of keep ourselves below, I think, two minutes total for those two things. But today we're just kind of having a good time getting it going. And um, Adam's going to do some magical editing bullshit. Because he's magical like that. Because he's a wizard! Um, So once we get our shit together enough to do the next chapter, we'll get that recorded. Hopefully we're going to get this actually out to people
1: here in the next couple weeks. So if you have any ideas of what you'd like to hear us talk about, any thoughts on this past chapter, things that we may have missed, or other little segments that you'd like us to include in our future chapters, this was definitely kind of a little bit of a test as our first episode we are more than happy to you know record things within good reason that we want our listeners to listen to wow
0: Uh, (laughs) we're i'm really excited to you know like i i would really love to engage with listeners and if we've already discussed a chapter and you're like i would like to discuss it more that's fine because social media exists please reach out to us. I could talk for six hours on this chapter, but I restrained myself to speaking for under an hour, so good job, me.
1: Until next time, when we are... What's the name of the second chapter? (laughs) Um, The Vanishing Glass.
0: I have my beautiful illustrated copy of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone here. It is kind of amazing. It's really cool.
1: I do need to point out that I pointed out earlier that the Dursleys weren't blonde in the movies because there's this picture of them looking like hideous basic muggle bitches and they're like sneering and uh, Petunia is blonde and it's a terrifying picture. So much. So tune in next time for um, that one. our episode on chapter 2 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone The Vanishing Glass. Hooray! And we'll talk to you later. See ya!